When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. the Rutgers Rant. I'm Steve Politti from NJ Advance Media. Joined as always, James Cratch, Keith Sargent. I, I mean, we've seen some insane games at Rutgers over the years. I don't think we've seen one quite like Rutgers, Michigan in a long time. And, you know, maybe ever. It, I think it was one of the weirdest games, one of the most exciting games we've seen in a long time. Triple overtime. We're going to talk about the play calling in the first overtime, which is a big issue. We're going to talk about Rutgers blowing a double-digit lead and some defensive lapses. But, but first, I want to start this podcast with a good spirited debate just like we did last week because Sarge I was reading the film review which like all good journalism really you know sets the agenda for the state of New Jersey once it appears I'm sure you, you would agree with that Sarge Completely. Um, and, and what I noticed <laughs> was really a compelling argument by James Cratch that we that Rutgers fans should be angry at losing this game and I sort of wrote the opposite thing that if, you know I'm making the list of all the things I thought Rutgers had to accomplish this year beating Michigan was certainly not anywhere near it. So it's hard to look at that, this result, this triple overtime loss against a team that destroyed them in such a fashion last year that the head coach got fired as anything but a positive. But Cratch, what you said, I think was, is worth discussing. Why don't, you, why don't you lay out your thoughts on why, you know, the expectations have raised and we should judge this team differently. Because they're better than we thought they were. Like, look, as I wrote, I think it's entirely possible and realistic and reasonable to chop the trees down, but still see the forest. Big picture, program has made tremendous strides, clearly moving in the right direction. Talent is better. Coaching is better. Uh, excitement is better. Everything is going in the right direction. No doubt about that. I think once the season's over, no matter what the record is, you're going to be able to look back and say, it was a strong, successful first season for Greg Schiano. You're moving in the right direction. That being said, they should have beaten Michigan on, on Saturday. They had a 17-point lead the defense collapsed again they should have beaten illinois two weeks ago they had a 10 point lead it's okay to call out and call it as it is which is this team is better than we expected the expectations should be higher frankly greg shiano and, and his coaches and his players they've earned the right they deserve it's only respectful to, to them in my opinion that the expectations be higher and the bottom line was they were better than Michigan on Saturday night, and they should have won the game. And I think it's very disappointing for Rutgers fans and for Rutgers. I'm sure they're – I don't think they're sitting in the house there saying, hey, it was 52 nothing last year and, and Ash got fired and rah, rah, go us. Like, no, they're mad because they lost the game. They should be 3-2 and two and thinking about going to a bowl game and said they're 1-4. and four. I just think that you have to – Michigan is Michigan, and I get that. But if they had played Ohio State on Saturday night and lost 48-42 to 42 in triple overtime, I would be more kind of sympathetic to – the whole what an effort what a game look how far they've come argument but they didn't play Ohio State they played a Michigan team 
that they could have beat that they were better than on that night. And I think you have to admit that and acknowledge that they blew a winnable they game. They did. I, and I agree with that. Certainly that's beyond, you know, that's beyond arguable. They, they, they blew a winnable game. I guess they just have a hard time looking at anything that's happening out there without looking at the prism of what happened before. I mean, the fact that they came back, I mean, that's the one thing they did blow a 17 point lead, but then they were down 35, 27 and that fourth quarter drive. I don't think we've talked enough about or written enough about 16 plays with, you know, a competent offense with moving the ball down the field, Sarge, the, the throw from Noah Vedral on fourth down for the touchdown, the two point conversion. I mean, this is just, these are things we're just not seeing from this team, right? I mean, wh- wh- where do you fall on the spectrum, Sarge? Yeah. Uh, to close that point, I think it's probably somewhere in the middle on your two debates. It's not the first time that uh, Cratch and Politi have, have disagreed. They disagree often. Um, my, my text message chain is, is proof to that. You know, as far as that the final drive, really, and we were talking, you know, during it, I thought they were taking away too much time. I mean, there there were a couple times where they were running the ball. I didn't think there was a sense of urgency, and it really just spoke to Noah Vedral and having you know a quarterback really grow before our our, our eyes. You know, I, I wrote about him after the game. He like he really really played about as well as a Rutgers quarterback has in, in you know in, in in a few years. He just was calm. That fourth down pl- uh, play was 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 unbelievable. Being able to thread the needle, avoid the sack, and then you know the the two point conversion, you know, was all 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 willpower. I mean, just you're, you're right. I mean that that probably got lost in the shuffle, kind of got lost in the overtime, but um, really just a gutsy performance by Rutgers uh, on on that final drive. He had more yards in that game passing yards in that game than Rutgers had passing yards in the five, five previous games, which I, I mean, you know, I, I, I recognize that speaks more to what was happening those five years than it's happening this year. Uh, but it's still, I mean, it's still pretty astounding. So then we get to overtime in that game. Obviously we, you know, when Michigan misses the field goal in the, in the, in the first half of the first overtime, you know, I think this is the one time when a lot of fans had issues with, with the play calling there. My problem is, and, and Cratch, and I, you know, I, I know you disagree with this as well. My problem is that if, if I second guessed what happened at the end of the Illinois game, that pass uh, that was thrown when it was first down and they should have been running to get the ball in field goal range to win that game, then I can't really kill Greg Schiano and Sean Gleason for being conservative at the first, at, at, you know, in this overtime win, they were, they were going to have a four 40-yard, 45-yard makeable field goal there. You know, what, what did you see when you went back and looked at the Kratz that, that made you think that they, they handled that wrong? I didn't so much think they handled it wrong. Like, I agree with you. Like, that's what they want to do. They want to kick the field goal. That's all they needed to win the game. Valentino Ambrosio wanted the ball in the middle of the field. Great. What I just didn't necessarily understand was the way they kind of attacked it. If they had literally just kicked the ball on first down, it would have been a shorter kick than ended up being. Right. You know, that right. was what I didn't get. The whole idea of you're on the, I believe it was on the left hash. You're then going to go to the right hash and then you're going to have to run and lose yardage to get back in the middle of the field. That's what I didn't get. I just didn't understand why you didn't try to run toward the middle of the field two times with Isaiah Pacheco, who was having, you know, was having some success, <laughs> get a couple yards and then, and then kick it on third down even. Cause that way, if there's a bad snap or there's a penalty or whatever, you can kind of reassess the situation. Right, right. And, and yeah, and, it, and that really was their opportunity to win the game. Although, again, we're talking about this team being resilient. I, you know, I think if you're making a list of uh, highlights from this season, 
I mean, the pass, the pass from the misdirection play in the, in the second overtime uh, to Haskins. I mean, it's just a brilliant call, brilliant execution. You know, watching it again, the way he, you know, Noah Vedra managed to get that ball over the defense, defender's hands and right in the perfect spot for, for Haskins to catch it and run in. I mean, that, that, was, that was pretty astounding too. Um, Sarge, what, I mean, what overall did you, did you see from the offense there in that, in that uh, overtime? Yeah, I'm going to argue with you a little bit, Steve, because, and I get it. I heard the same thing that, like, if you're going to rip them for, uh, for uh, throwing the ball and not running the ball, you know, at the 37-yard line when, when all you need is a field goal to win the game against Illinois, then how do you do it, you know, in overtime when all you need is a field goal? You know, I get it. I'm not asking them to, to, to throw the ball. The one thing I will say is can you know your quarterback? Can you know your personnel on that, you know, on that overtime? Federal, you know, was having a great game. And if you trusted him to be your starting quarterback, then you can trust him to either run forward that, that delay play, well, you know, where, you know, where he was doing the quarterback sneak that was having success. You could have run a couple plays where you got, you know, a functioning offense. So, you know, instead they, they tried to be cute on first down, um, you know, second down, they lost yardage and then they had to play catch up on third down and they took a knee. They, they lost yardage on, 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 on third down settled for a 45-yard field goal, Steve. And well, again, oh, it wasn't really knee. They were running. Was he taking knee or was he trying to get yards and got tackled? No, he was trying to send no, the ball. He, he slid. He He's, slid, right, Cratch? Yeah, he slid. So, I mean, you're, you're, you're losing uh, two yards to settle for a 45-yard field goal. I wrote about it the other day. The percentage of power five uh, kickers uh, a year ago who, who made 45-yard field goals, they were successful 51% of the time. So you're, it's, a, it's a coin flip at that point to, to, to make a 45-yard uh, field goal with a proven kicker. You know, right. Valentino, yeah, uh, Ambrosio, yeah, they don't have one. Yep. So, I mean, and look, he had the distance on that ball, and it kind of hooked at the last, last second. So, uh, you know, again, it's not a, you know, these are good conversations to have when you're talking about a, a more competitive program. It's just, you know, I think it's a fair criticism. I think it's a fair criticism to crit- criticize him for, for not for, for the way they played that first overtime. I mean, if, if, the, if the kick had been from 43 yards out, which it would have been if they had just kicked it on first down, I think he might make it. The way if, they left it from, if they left it from the right hash mark, he would have made it. That's yeah. the sad part. You <laughs> know, the other thing, too, I'll say is, and I, a texter, uh, nj.com slash insider, said this to me. I think it was also said on Twitter by someone. Why not just put Johnny Langan in the game? I know we're probably going to talk about the Langan package yeah. later. Yeah. If you trust him all on the ball, just let him run into the Michigan line two, three times. Yep, I agree. Protect the if ball. If you're playing short yardage, if you're playing short yardage, why not uh, go with Langan? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. That's a really good point. Well. All right. So the bigger issue, uh, I mean, again, we're, we're nitpicking the play calling and the offense certainly um, was the defense. I mean, I, I don't know, you know, the moment I tweeted it and everyone got mad at me as if I was the one who made Michigan change quarterbacks. But I thought that was the, you know, absolute nightmare scenario where they, they bring in Cade McNamara, uh, you know, a guy who, uh, it, for whatever reason, Rutgers and backup quarterbacks, we talked about it last week in the podcast, you know, and the moment he came in, you could tell that he had a more, a better command of the passing game and his decisions at the line of scrimmage helped the running game as well. Uh, Cratch, do you think this was a case of the defense not being prepared? Or are we seeing a situation here where, you know, they just have, they only have so many people and the personnel is just getting worn out in these games? No, I don't think it, I look, I, I just think Cade McNamara was a better quarterback than Joe Milton. And I think that was a big 
part of the reason why I think that Rutgers didn't get a lot of pass rush. You know, at the first touchdown, they kind of brought the house and Michigan picked it up and McNamara made a great throw. I just thought, you know, there were guys open earlier in the game. Joe Milton just wasn't making the throws. McNamara did. I, I think that the run defense, again, it, it's just, you know, they don't tackle well at times. I, I thought the linebackers, you know, weren't in position on a couple of those big runs in the second half. I also thought that Michigan kind of took advantage of the aggression and the success that like guys like Dwumfor and Julius Turner have been having, letting them kind of get upfield and then ushering them out of the way of the play. Look, I, I think they get tired. They play a lot of guys on defense, I've noticed. But it seems like when it becomes crunch time, they only trust a certain amount, especially on the defensive line and I think that's become the issue where there's just not a heavy rotation when the game is on the line you're seeing Dwumfor and Turner Dwumfor and Turner over and over and over again and look I had someone point out to me and it's a fair argument you could say hey maybe we shouldn't expect them to win these games because they lack that depth but I still think there's enough production early on if they just kind of play better in the second half they should be able to hold on to win this game it's and it's a weird thing <clears throat> sorry I don't know how you feel about this but I thought the loss to Illinois, I left me feeling like, all right, you know, this, we, we might have seen the best of this team. You know, they might not win again. That's kind of how I felt when I left that game. I left the Michigan game thinking they can win. I mean, there's no, there's no game left on the schedule that they can't win. I mean, if they can play out of their, out of their shoes against a team that I, I still think had more talent than Rutgers, I mean, you could argue it certainly, you know, had more, had more better recruiting classes and more talent the last five years. I mean, what do you think overall is the lasting, uh, what's going to happen with this team going forward after that game? Yeah, I mean, I said last week, I think we, we talked about it. You know, I thought that they would get uh, two or three more wins, you know, to close out. And I still feel that way. We could talk about it later, but that 13-point line against Purdue, that was, you know, I, I we talk about these lines every week. I thought that was way higher than I expected. I was stunned by that. I really was, um, yeah. And the Penn, you know, Penn State, if you're being fair about it, guys, and, you know, we could probably talk about this down the line, but I think Rutgers could be favored in that game. And only because, you know, the way Penn State's playing and, and Penn State's – clearly uh, you know, lost uh, some of their talent. And uh, I, I think there's a, a chance that that game could be you know, within, you know, certainly within a touchdown, but there's a chance that Rutgers could be a favorite in that game. Maryland, same, same deal. Like we don't even know, you know, if they're going to be you know, playing that game at this point. So, yeah, I think there's a, uh, r- a real uh, good shot for Rutgers to, to close well down, down the stretch. Penn State does look like dead team walking. It is amazing. I mean, I, that's just, that is how that thing has spiraled out of control. Uh, just uh, not good. And I'll 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 say this, Michigan could have packed it in and quit at seventeen nothing. Yeah, yeah, did it. Yeah. Which I think you know, look, Jim Harbaugh is embattled, and he's getting you know hits everywhere. But I, I have to you got to give him credit for stabilizing that team and and finding a way to win a game that they could have very easily just folded up the tent at that point and gotten run off the field. Excellent point. All right, gentlemen, let's dive into true or false. You know how it works. I'll give you a statement: true or false. And then we'll talk about it later. True or false? Rutgers got hosed by the refs against Michigan with the pick play. James Cratch, true or false? False. Sarge? False. Wow. Okay. I won't <laughs> go talk about that because I, I looked at it again today. I, I, I disagree. All right. True or false? Isaiah Pacheco is being underutilized in this offense. James Cratch, true or false? Uh, true. Sarge? True. Shameen Jones is the team's most improved player. True or false, James Cratch? True. Okay. 
Sarge? I hate agreeing with Cratch you know, every time, but true. A hard one. Yeah, I thought maybe we might go with, uh, with the Reggie Sutton there or someone on the offensive line, but, God, the kid's playing really well. All right, true or false, the biggest deficiency for this team is suddenly its lack of a pass rush. James Cratch, true or uh, false? False. Okay. Sarge? Yeah, False. All right, we'll have to come back to see what you guys uh, think is the biggest deficiency. Uh, true or false, Rutgers still should get Art Sikowski on the field. James Cratch. True. Yeah, I'm going to go false. Yeah, I just put them in there after after Cratch is, Cratch is uh, endorsing him incorrectly uh, for a starting quarterback, which I, I, I waited this long to mention, by the way, after last week. Uh, all right, and finally, true or false, Northwestern can stun Ohio State in the Big Ten title game if they get there. Cratch, true or false? True. Wow. Keith? Mm, false. False, yeah, I'm, I think that's a big false, and I watched some of that game, but they, they look good, but I don't know if they're Ohio State good. All right, I do want to – so I, you know, I was left thinking that if they had a better pass rush – they might have had a better chance against Michigan. You don't think it's the what? What would you put then as the as the biggest deficiency with this team right now? Yeah, I was gonna say. You know what it might be. Believe it or not, is is, is rushing. You know the the, the running backs. Graciano said it was the best position group on the team, right up there with linebacker. They're ninety six. You know, in nationally in, in rushing. They is were that right? Wow. They were a hundred and one a year ago. So they you know they were bad, but they weren't you know they weren't down hundred and thirty bad. So they're 101 last year. They're 96 now, 10th in the Big Ten. But the talent that they have, that might be – I don't know if deficiency is the right word, but, you know, that, that's probably the uh, biggest disappointment right now. Right. I, I was surprised. I, I put, it on, put it on the list because I was a little surprised that Pacheco didn't have a bigger role in that game. Uh, what was it, 15 carries, Cratch? Uh, you know, I get it that they want to mix in. They, they, they like Adams too, and he gives them a different look. Uh, that said, still, I, th- I mean, I, I don't know. I just, I just feel like that guy's such a talent. I mean, you know, we've seen what he can do uh, against Big Ten defenses. Um, so what do you think the biggest deficiency is, Cratch? I'm going to say it's just the secondary, just because I think you've got a depth issue there. And there's just guys that they're, we're seeing getting picked on, you know. And look, right. and like right. some of that is because of the pass rush. But we just really have – since the Michigan State game, we really haven't seen that group kind of go out there and shine and make plays. I feel like there's still a technique issue with a lot of those guys, too. I mean, you know, I know that uh, Avery Young didn't turn around the ball. That was the way Chris Ash coached him back in the day. Uh, It just seems like there's just something, the lack of consistency is what Greg Shannon put it this week. No, I I agree. I I think we talked about this on a podcast a couple weeks ago, but to his credit, when Ash got fired, that group really regressed. You know, it was his kind of hands-on coaching was gone and I wonder if that was kind of created maybe a little bit more of a dip for that group than other groups that so there's still a farther way to kind of climb out of it still for Shiano and his staff right uh, and you know, that doesn't bode well for uh, this week where uh, Purdue obviously has some uh, NFL caliber talent at wide receiver uh, all right anything well so you think they should be getting Art Sikowski on the field still I mean I thought that debate this this kind of ended the quarterback controversy for forever well, at some point if you can over the last few games, yes, you should probably play him a little bit. Right. But at this point, too, Noah Vedral had one – it was a great game, and now everyone's like completely – but who knows what's going to happen this coming week. You know, he's been very up or down this season so far. Yes, as, yep. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I just come from the perspective of it's kind of now – like if it doesn't happen for Art this year, it's just not going to happen, which is fine. But then right. Rutgers then I has, has to commit to sticking with Vedral as their starting quarterback next year potentially all right 
anything else? Do you want to dive into some Rutgers Insider questions? Yeah, let's dive. We've got some bunch of them. Thanks again, as always, ng.com backslash insider to join the party. We've had a lot of people jump on this season, which, is, uh, which has been great because, uh, you know, we're trying to uh, stay in business. All right, and this, this is a good one, guys. And I, I know we talked about it a little bit, but, um, you know, just about the big picture about what's happening with this season. Here's the question. I know going into the season, Rutgers had to get at least one win to break the losing streak. Reevaluating after two close losses, does Rutgers have to get at least one more win for a successful season? I mean, it's a great question. And, you know, I, yeah, I guess so. I mean, in a lot of ways, because you don't want to end this season on an eight-game losing streak going into next season. It's going to take some of the shine off, Sarge, if they, if they don't win again. Yeah, I, I kind of look more at the big picture. I mean, you can't have it both ways. We go back to, you know, what we said at the beginning of the year where, you know, we, you know one of the big things was to be more competitive, and yes. they are. And the bar was on the ground, and now they've raised the bar a little bit. Um, as you always used to say, you know, suck, you know, suck normal. And now they, you know, you know, if, if they're at one and seven or one and eight at, you know, at the end of the year, they would suck normal, you know, one and eight, you know, but more competitive. So you would uh, say that's a goal, but that ultimately, you know, they do get judged by wins and losses. Greg Shiano has said it a number of times that, you know, and that would be tough to recruit to, you know, uh, you know, a losing streak like that at the end of the year would be tough to recruit to. So probably a little bit of truth in both, uh, in, in both points. Yeah. And, and correct. And I was thinking about this earlier today. I mean, if I were to make the list of like the six or seven, eight things that Rutgers had to accomplish, I mean, you'd have to end the big 10 losing streak. You have to fix the offense, which they did. You'd have to change the narrative around the program. Stars wrote about that last week. You have to close out this recruiting class, which it certainly seems like they're in the process of doing. You have to compete with the powerhouses. I mean, they almost beat Michigan, and then you have to develop players. So, I mean, they're going to check all of the boxes. But, again, I wonder if the narrative does flip, if, it's, if it is a one and eight. What do you think? I think it's, at the end of the day, like, you can go one and eight, and it's a successful season. But, obviously, it's going to be feel a little bit kind of empty, I think, in some aspects. I think they need one more. If they get one more win, then I think it, it's, they're set. Definitely it's a successful season. If that one win is Penn State, then you're talking about an unbelievably successful season. Right. Then no one's talking about anything else but that. Absolutely. All right. Next question from Jeff Steer. I like people who sign, put a name next to it so I can say you gave it to us. All right. I know it's hard for you guys to get a close to close to the team and talk to individual players, but I'd like to get a real sense of the attitude and morale of the players. Losing sucks and, be, and can be contagious, but are they really buying the chop thing and bringing it to each practice, et cetera? My sense is yes, but what do I know? Yeah, and Jeff, you make a great point. It is This is unlike anything we've been around. I mean, you can't, you know, with COVID, we see, we see the players on Zoom calls and, you know, we don't get to see the behavior or practice I mean, my strong sense is, though, that you've seen a buy-in. And, I mean, I, I think the, the play, Sarge, in, in, in overtime, you know, and, and, and overall, I, I think certainly get, gives you the sense that they are, the morale is high. If they're not – if they haven't bought into the chop mantra, <laughs> then they are doing an awfully good job of, of, of selling it because You're faking literally it well. every third word in a, in a Zoom oh my God. Uh, press conference is chop. Yeah. To a point, it wasn't even, you know, it wasn't even, you know, Cratch or I, but it was another reporter from another outlet who, who at one point called one of the players and said, can you answer that question without using the word chop? <laughs> and then the player doubled down on it and, and added more chop to, uh, to his great. quote. So, uh, look, it, it, none of that matters. You know, you know, they can say whatever they want, you know, as, as far as – but they have certainly bought into it. And, you know, as far as them, uh, you know, doing it on the field, 
I think it shows. I think, you know, shows in, you know, a guy like Mike Tavertoff, like do, uh, doing it, you, you know, and, and it shows on that, that, that four quarter drive, that 16 yeah. play drive, yeah. you know, you know, Greg Ciano would, would, you know, would, would say that's like the ultimate, you know, uh, definition of chop. So obviously I know fans aren't at the games. Two things I will say. One, when you watch pregame warmups, it's amazing to me, a kicker like hit, hit a warm-up kickoff do the chop thing yeah. his teammate and the second thing is the guys who are not suited up you know injured guys you know walk-ons who are not going to play in the game they're all kind of like sweatsuits on a sideline together with, with their masks on those kids go bonkers like a student section from they were the, trying the middle of the, the top, first kickoff to the end of the game they are going nuts on the sidelines. Uh, I think that's a team that's 100% bought in to what Greg is preaching and the culture. That's a credit right. to Greg Ciano because we, we talked about the home field advantage and, mm-hmm. and you know, the Big Ten it just doesn't exist. I think it was 11 uh, and 15 was, was the home field advantage teams in the Big Ten. And Greg Ciano said like, he, he's been studying it. He's been trying to, to, to try to get his team a, a clear home field advantage. Uh, look, they're 0-3 at home. So ultimately, you know, you, you are what you are. But, you know, that what Crash just brought up with the, the guys behind him, the, the guys who aren't playing, he was trying to get that, that, that you know, atmosphere, that home field, the student section type, type, type environment. You know, <laughs> you got to think of like Graciano is always trying to think of little ways to kind of give his team an advantage. Right, right. And you can't fake it. We've seen teams. I mean, you look at what's happened. I mentioned Penn State. Uh, you know, you could just tell the intensity is not there. You know, even I mean, Nebraska, there's, there's just teams in this league where you're like, you know, something's, something's wrong. Uh, I don't think that's certainly the case. It seems like Rutgers has the buy-in and then some. All right. Here's a question about Vedral, even after his 400-yard performance. Have you ever seen a quarterback with as weak an arm as Vedral be that effective in a major conference college football game? Because I haven't. That's, so, I'm not sure it's true. And, I, and you watched the film go. You went back through it, Chris. You saw every play. I mean, the throw to the throw to Shermaine Jones uh, for the touchdown uh, at, the, uh, at the end of the, in the fourth quarter. The time I mean, that was a big time throw. I mean, am I wrong? Do you think it's as weak as we're letting it out to be here? No, I told. I think the way I've kind of classified Vegel's arm, I think I've written in the past, is like it's just strong enough. Right. You know, it, yeah. look, he, does he have a bazooka like Patrick Mahomes? No. no but it's not, you know, it's, it's not it, Justin Herbert. Yeah, get right. <laughs> is he an NFL prospect? No. But his arm is strong enough, I think, to make – look, I think Rutgers would definitely be better off as an offense if they could stretch the field more vertically. But that being said, he does make enough throws to keep a defense honest. I think his arm is just strong enough to make the throws he needs. And I, I, no one's coming to mind right away, but, I mean, definitely not, not even talking about option teams. There have been teams that have won with, with weaker arms you know, in college football just because so much of that air raid stuff is that. Guys, he's completing at uh, passes at uh, 64.2%. A Rutgers quarterback hasn't been that accurate in, in you know, f- five years. They, no one's been over 60% in five years. No one's been that high for, for a season. I mean, you know, look, the interceptions have been bad, but, you know, he's completing at such a high accuracy. I mean, that's more important than, than throwing the ball 70 yards on a, you know, on a dime. I'm sorry, sure. but, no you know, question. being able to co- complete – 
you know, your, your, your attempts at that rate that shows that you're, you're extending drives and, you know, that, that's what you want in your quarterback. It's one of the most important uh, statistics that, that there is, the, the completion percentage. Absolutely. All right. We have a lot of questions about kicking. I'm going to summarize them in, 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 in with a couple of them. Uh, does Rutgers have a kicker who can get kickoffs into the end zone? Well, they did have one last year. He's still on the roster, so I assume so. Uh, or is kicking to the five-yard line a strategic decision? Um, and another one, you know, I don't believe the new kicker has had more leg or accuracy than Justin Davidovitz. Uh, what happened to him? I, I think he, this is just going to be every year we seem to have one guy or one player who's like, who becomes the mystery for the season. I can't even think of who it was last year that we feel like we got 8,000 questions about. Um, I mean, what, what, is it, what is it with this crash? I mean, do you, do you buy into the idea that, that you know, that, that he should be kicking in the end zone, he could kick in the end zone, and do you think the right kicker is, is lining up field goals? So I'll start with the kickoff. It, it is everything I've seen. And look, this is one of these kind of weird things with 2020, uh, not a complaint, just a reality. The, the, the press conference over the, you know, the video is so limited and, and, and you only have so many cracks at the bat that you don't necessarily get to uh, empty the notebook like we would in the past. Right. Yeah. Uh, everything I've seen is it's strategic decision. To, and look, to, and, uh, the touchdown – aside the other night they've been one of the best kickoff teams in the big 10 so it's been working as for davidovitz i you know i will say this i think that valentino ambrosio from what i understand talking to people was a lot more of a a known commodity in terms of uh, as a kicking prospect like people when he was in high school you know he was such an elite soccer player that he was able to play high school football and people knew he was good you know, I had one coach tell me, you know, kind of sarcastically, if Chris Ash knew what a group one school was, he probably would have found this guy. Because I believe he started at Roselle Park. When it was Fava versus Davidovitz, it was weird. When it's Ambrosio versus Davidovitz, I think that while it's still kind of unproven for Ambrosio, I think that physically there might be more upside with him than with Davidovitz. He's got a big leg. I mean, it, you know, that, kick, that kick from 45, the distance was not the issue. I mean, that was, that was something. Um, all right, let's see what else we got here. Uh, not complaining. Is there anything that can be done differently to finish the games so we win? What changes should be made? I mean, he's not complaining. No, um, he is complaining. He's not, he's a little, maybe a little bit. It's like, that's like my, is there, like I say to my wife, is there anything I can do that you will put the dishes in the dishwasher after lunch? Is there like, I'm not complaining. I'm just curious if there's some action we can take here that would get that done. Um, I don't know. Is, is there one? I guess there's really not one thing. It's just, I, and I wrote this, and it's uh, it's a hard thing to quantify. But Sarge, it's, it's a team learning to win, right? I mean, you you, you have to right. you have to learn to compete first, and then you take the next step. They just haven't taken it yet. Yes, yeah, the little things. Uh, you know, we talked about you know the defense tiring. I, you know, the defensive line. Uh, you know, you know, bending. You know, late, um, not getting as much pressure as they did early in the game when they were up seventeen nothing. Um, you know, you could point to a few curious uh, coaching decisions that we've talked about, mm-hmm. and you know, ultimately, uh, it just boils down to learning how to win. And you know, again, you you, you have to you know say when you're looking at them you know being outscored in big 10 play by almost three touchdowns per game um you know the last couple of years to to now it's it, it is better but you know those the, you know they do have the players who are back you know they they have not experienced what it's like to win and sometimes that, that that's one of the things that you need to learn you know at, at this stage of the program 
All right, here's another one we touched on a little bit, but let's dive into it. What is the actual rule with regards to that intentional pick play that went for a TD for Michigan? I thought that should have been a penalty. I did too, and I watched in the replay. I didn't think it was as bad when I saw it live as I did when I saw the replay. I mean, the kid clearly docks into the receiver crash. I mean, what is the – I mean, you know <laughs> – it's it, look. It was a pick play, right? And I, as I wrote in the film review, I think it it definitely violated the spirit of the law. There's interpretation to it, but I don't yeah. know if it necessarily violated the letter of the law, you know, blatantly. And it, if it doesn't do that, then the officials are not going to call it. Right? You know, basically, you cannot, as a receiver, run directly into the defender, but you hey, can kind of run toward contact. him and stop. Yep. yep. And kind of and and. But there was contact, it, though. I mean, what. There was but contact, he didn't force but, the contact, but he, but he didn't the, force the contact. The receiver just wow. turned, That's turned his head. As Crash pointed out, the receiver yeah. turned. If you think about it, you know it kind of makes sense. Like if if you're making just a, a stick route or like a, a, a yeah. button hook, um, that happens on a play, right? So basically, he tried to sell it that way, stopped, forced the traffic, and he didn't force the contact, and that's the reason why. Uh, there's interpretation. And as Cratch pointed out, if you look at the play and give, you know, look, I can see both ways. My, my inbox on Twitter was, it's the reason why I asked Grace Shannon the question, you know, to close the post game. And he said, you know, you know, rather, you know, you, KG. yeah, KG for sure. Like I just can't answer the question. Yeah. Like right. he just was not going to go there. You know, he, he told us how he felt, but there, you know, if the receiver doesn't make the con uh, force of contact, which he did not, all he did was stop, turned uh, turned around. Then the interpret interpretation uh, there is that he did not, you know, interfere. All right, this is a great question. It's, it's a it's a big picture thing going forward. And I'm going to paraphrase because it's a long one. Since this year does not count for eligibility, the seniors could theoretically come back for the next for another year. But how does how does Greg Shannon manage that if it's still 85, 25 with scholarship limits, and knowing that he's recruiting well and needs to, you know, keep the numbers coming in. And, and this is a good point here, that the transfer portal is likely to be loaded with some talent after the season as well. Uh, you know, I, then the, the final part of the question is, I'd like to hear more about how that will be managed. How many scholarships will Rutgers hold for seniors slash portal targets? Do we have any idea? Cratch, I mean, you know, is, we're just guessing, I guess, at this point. We, we don't, and actually, you know, Shauna last week was asked about this and said it's going to be difficult, and there's going to be a lot of uncomfortable, you know, awkward, unpleasant conversations right. he's going to have to have because they've got to make the numbers work. And I think the bigger issue, the number one issue is can Rutgers, not even Rutgers, but any team in the country, can they afford to pay for these extra scholarships? I think that's a big question, one. Mm -hmm. Number two, I think the thing is going to be of these high school recruits, 2021 20, kids, how many of them are actually going to come to college versus, hey, I didn't have much of a high school season. Let me go prep for a year potentially. Is right. that going to kind of help Rutgers and other schools with the number? Yeah, and it's a fascinating thing, Sarge. I, and I, you know, I, I assume that the, those difficult conversations, you know, they're going to try to want to talk players like Melton to come back and yeah. everyone on the defensive line. But then, and these kids, you know, these kids have to make a decision. They're kids anymore, so they're, you know, in their early twenties. They have to make a decision too. I mean, how much, you know, how much college football can you play before you just have to decide to move on? It's a great question. And for a developmental program like Rutgers, you would think that this would be an advantage, right? Because, yep. you know, Graciano said often, like grown men. There's a difference between grown men and 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 eighteen year olds. And 
you know, especially if you don't have blue chippers like Rutgers, you know, they, they don't have now. They have two four-star uh, prospects, in, you know, recruits in their entire program right now. Some guys have exceeded that expectation. Some guys haven't. But, you know, the point is, you know, they don't have, they don't recruit the guys who are instantly as freshmen, you know, uh, you know, ready to go. So you would think that that experience would help. Same token, token, what Cratch is saying is right. Like R- Rutgers, yes, the NCAA will be allowing you to go above 85 a, a year from now. Will Rutgers be willing to pay for a hundred scholarships total? Uh, I, you know, it's not uh, Rutgers being cheap. But a lot of other uh, Big Ten schools and, and schools nationwide are going to have that same question. Going to be one of the most fascinating questions of the off season. And then, you know, long term for any anyone who does go to a hundred or, or so, it's going to be even a bigger problem for junior and, and sophomores sure. because. Yeah. You know, the NCAA has, made, you know, has given no indication that they, they, they won't go right back to the 85 cap. So, you know, if you're a junior and you have you know, extra eligibility now and then you want to play, you know, in 2022, um, then, then you're, they're going to be facing the same issue, especially with the 85 scholarship cap. Right. I will, I will say, and just the bigger picture thing, I think this is the kind of thing that Greg Shannon is going to be good at. You know, like he is, you know, the CEO of the program, the manager, you know, he, you know I think that, uh, that that plays to his strengths. Uh, all right. Those are the questions we have this week. Thanks, everybody, again, NJ.com backslash insider. Sign up early and often. Um, let's dive into the Purdue preview here, fellas. And, and like I said earlier, I mean, this is the that game. I came away feeling that they could win all the rest of the games. I was stunned that Purdue was a 13-point favorite, bigger bigger favorite than Michigan was. I get that the Boilermakers are good. They score a lot of points. You know, I, it's a home game for them. Uh, they've got Rondo Moore back. I get all that stuff. Sorry, I mean, what, what's your takeaway in this game? What, who do you like and uh, – and how, how do you see it unfolding? Yeah, uh, Purdue, really good offensively. Um, and, yeah. you know, Rondell Moore is you know, probably the best uh, offensive player that they'll face all year. You know, he's an NFL guy, going to be a, probably a first-round pick. He's back. What's fascinating about him, Steve, is they had a quarterback who, you know, was averaging over 300 yards per game. Um, he got hurt in the Northwestern game. His name's Aiden O'Connell. He got hurt in the Northwestern game, did not, not play. Jack Plummer, who is no relation to Jake Plummer. A lot of people think, you know, Jake Plummer, Jack Plummer, no relation. Jack Plummer came in and threw for um, 367 yards against Minnesota, completed 83% of his passes. They didn't have a drop-off whatsoever. The one thing we know about Jeff Brom, Jeff Brom can coach offense. And he, you know, so, you know, that is going to be the fascinating thing. Cratch has made a point with the secondary, huge challenge for the secondary. Um, you know, I think Rutgers is going to have to score some points. Right. And it, there is, and the fact that, you know, we're talking about Rutgers thinking they got jobbed by that call. I mean, Purdue got, had a go, had a win stolen from them yeah. Yeah, by the Big the Ten reps. Yeah. I mean, there's no question. That was unbelievable. That, that was how bad. There was no was. contact whatsoever. The, the wide, wide receivers, the tight end, I think was, you know, you know, caught the ball in the end zone. No, no, no contact whatsoever. And they call him right. offensive pass. It, it's amazing. Sometimes you're like, Oh, what, what are people screaming about now? And you go watch the replay. And, like, <laughs> and you always think you're like, Oh my God, out in the world. Um, crash. So pick a score. What do you got? Crash, sorry. You didn't give us a score yet. Ooh. Oh, God. Um, I think Purdue's going to win it. Um, 30-24. Okay. Cratch, your thoughts on the game? So, it's it's a big game for Greg Shiana, because remember, 2018 in Ohio State, Purdue, you know, boat raced oh, them. He'd like to forget. West Lafayette. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's why I found, like, when they played the Buckeyes a couple weeks ago, and I think an Ohio State reporter, too, got on the call, and they asked me, you know, like, reflect on his time at Ohio State, and, like, you know, it kind of went bad there at the end. And I'm thinking to myself, 
they won the Rose Bowl. <laughs> and they're like, hey, it really kind of fell apart at the end there, Greg. Oh, man. It's amazing. Like, we're, you know, we're sitting here, like, and, I, you know, even us, you know, being objective and skeptical. And in Ohio State, it's like, well, I mean, it really went bad at the end there when you won the Rose Bowl. <laughs> But um, we're sitting there wondering, hey, that was a good loss to a bad Michigan team. Hey, what do you think, fellas? Yeah, exactly. Won the Rose Bowl. Yeah, I think it's going to be a little bit more high scoring than Sarge. I, I'll go like Purdue 41, Rutgers 30. Okay. Um, so I guess they'll, they'll cover. Um, yeah, I just think, you know, Purdue's defense is kind of up and down. I'll be honest with you, I've written this before. I've always thought, you know, Purdue's been a little bit overrated under Jeff Brom. I know they've had a couple of big upsets, but. You know, they're like a 500 team under him. But I do think it's a really tough matchup going out there with their passing attack and Rondell Moore back, you know, on Thanksgiving weekend. This is a really tough matchup. Bad spot for Rutgers. All right, yes. And I I, I think I'm going to go in the other direction. And it's funny because I, I, you know, I joked at, during the game on Twitter, like my job was a lot easier as a columnist to come up with opinions when I knew it was going to happen. Like, you know, like when you're watching these games and I like – I don't know who's going to win this game. What are we going to write? It's just, it's just like a new, and the same thing with picks. Like I, I think I've been wrong almost every week now because it's just like, I, I, you know, you go, you go with your gut sometimes you go with your head sometimes. I'm going with my gut this time. I think, you know, I, I just like what I've seen from this team. They come up with something every week. It's not Purdue defensively is not great. Uh, I think Rutgers is going to go in there and steal a victor. I see something like a 38, 35 final second, get the second win get Cratch off their back, victory for Greg Shannon and the Scarlet Knights. We'll see if I'm right. Um, all right, well, anything else to talk about basketball? I mean, yeah. I, I, so, so Thanksgiving's coming up. I, I do want to say I'm thankful for one thing. Our fear, Cratch, you have to agree with, you, uh, with me on this one, but our fearless po- podcast leader, host, Steve Plitty, is in, you know, folks, folks we get to see what, what everyone's doing. We, we're, we're doing these Zoom calls now, and he is – literally behind a box we're trying to improve our audio anyone who, who's been listening to our podcast for a long time uh, know that our, our you know we've had some issues with our audio he's behind a screen sweating i'm yeah. i'm looking at him he is so struggling but you wouldn't know it i mm-hmm. i'm thankful as i think about my thanksgiving that's what i'm gonna like talk about that's heroic it, really? performances crash you talk about like Geo Baker with the thumb, you know, playing through that last year, playing as well. This goes up there, in my opinion. The way Politi had gutted out this podcast, wow. got to be one of the, the, the most heroic performances I've seen in a long time. That's a big, no that's a big 2020 praise. I, I really appreciate that, Sarge. Jeez. <laughs> I had no idea. I was so inspiring to you, <laughs> just because I. I'm watching it. You are really struggling. I, I yes, it, 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 I am. I'm sweating. So to, just to set the scene, my wife built because again, our sound we sounded like we were recording off you know two tin cans fishing line. My wife built this this little thing where she put sound panels into a cardboard box, and it's great. I mean, you know, the sound it sounds great, except that when I sit in here and in the, the radiators are on in the house, it is it is 115 degrees. So uh, that's what I do for you guys. So for once, you can actually, you know, hear what we say during the podcast. Uh, you want, Cratch, you want to jump in? No, I was going to say, so we're taping this at Monday afternoon, Wednesday at 7. Rutgers is supposed to play Sacred Heart in basketball. School still hasn't announced the game yet. Uh, I, 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 I think we're, we are going to have a weird, weird, weird oh, college yeah. basketball season. 
what is the problem with the schedule? I just don't understand it. I mean, there's only, what, seven non-conference games, right? Is that? The women's basketball team is obviously, they're going to open against Monmouth 11 a.m. on Wednesday. Okay. And my understanding is that you can't even have like a traditional, you know, men's, women's doubleheader anymore because of all the cleaning protocols for the rack. Right, right. You literally have to play the game at 11 because you need several hours to disinfect the place. <laughs> the first time that place has been cleaned in 37 years. Oh, come on. That was too easy. <laughs> but No, so... uh you know, the Big Ten has kind of set a rule where if you are a non-conference opponent, that opponent has to do antigen testing the day before the game, the day of the game. It's The rule says if one player or coach in the traveling party tests positive, the game is off. And I asked, and it didn't seem like they were necessarily going to do what the Big Ten does with its coaches and athletes where they PCR test to confirm that it's a, it's a true positive and not a false positive. So I'll be honest with you, like if it's one positive that could be a false positive, which we know is more likely with the antigen tests, if that's all it takes to cancel a non-conference game, I don't see how we're going to see very many non-conference games played this year anywhere. Yeah, I, I, I tend to – I don't know how you feel about the Sarge – Rick Pitino keeps on tweeting that they should they should move this season to March and have May Madness. It makes more sense every time he does. I just don't, I, mean, I just don't see any any path forward to like a you know a, a season without interruptions and cancellations. You know, with, with with football, you can cancel one game and maybe you can get you know, but with basketball, if you have a, if, if you're going to go and and you know quarantine, you can miss four or five games. Yeah, exactly. I mean, your your you know your roster is so much thinner than than your typical football program, and all right. these guys are hanging out as we saw with football with, with with the football team's outbreak. You know, when when they have these outbreaks, that that it's the same position group. So if two guards are you know uh, get it, then all the guards are going to get it because they all hang out together. So, I I I agree. I mean, I think if you're talking about you know the ultimate goal is to have a tournament, you know, just push it back. You know, I mean, to me. It's a no-brainer. I will say I've talked to people about uh, Rick Pitino's sentiments. I have not heard any momentum, at least as far as in the Big Ten. I've talked to people. There will be a story coming out at some point this week on it, but there is no momentum toward toward that. We'll see what happens, I guess. The other thing I'll say is I, I do – and, like, Rutgers is not doing this – I do not understand, not Kyle on the Seton Hall, but it's ridiculous that they're going to Louisville to play a game. Arizona State was going to go to Mohegan, might still go to Mo- Like, what, what are you doing? You know, there's not enough. Well, but look, I mean, Rutgers is going to have to go to Iowa at some point. Have you seen numbers there? Well, you know, I mean, if you're just talking no, about- I agree. I oh, guess what I'm saying numbers. is that's a conference game. You right. know, like, that, it's still like it is still. like I agree with you, but like at least that's in a conference game. The idea that someone would like willingly go, let's go across the country to a casino in Connecticut to play basketball. Yeah, it's, it's like just play someone out, you know, find a team that you can that can drive in. You know, there's plenty of them. All right. Well, hopefully next week uh, when we come back on Monday, we will have basketball to talk about. We will certainly have football to talk about. Rutgers Purdue uh, on Saturday. Everyone have a great Thanksgiving. Safe, happy, eat your turkey alone. (laughs) We'll be back on uh, Monday to talk about the next week's game. Thank you for listening. 